Welcome to the Nonprofit Experience. I'm Sandy Sear, Managing Editor for the Philanthropy Journal. Triangle Residential Options for Substance Abusers Incorporated is a residential recovery center that helps men and women rebuild their lives. TROSA is unique in that it also provides ways to advance one's education by getting a GED or taking college courses, thanks to a partnership with Durham Technical Community College. Before Kim Connolly became staff at TROSA, she was a resident in their program. This week, Kim sits down with TROSA volunteer tutor, Marianne Smith, to talk about feelings of accomplishment in both their individual work and throughout the organization as a whole. My name is Marianne. My name is Kimberly Connolly, and I'm a staff member at TROSA. I've been a staff member now for about three years. I can remember when I first came into the classroom, when I had like six months. I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember when you first came in. Yeah, I felt really discouraged. Very discouraged, actually, because I could not get the math. When you yeah. first came in, you did not seem discouraged. You yeah. were very open, and you were also really kind of like, a, even though you're, you were very young, you were kind of like a, a motherly figure to the other even younger women, mm-hmm. younger residents. Sure. You always watched out for them, and I, I admired that. When I would go into the classroom, Marianne, like I just remember coming in and I remember having the feeling of like, this woman is non-judgmental, you know, she is just your aura was just so calming, you know, um, and you just really took the time to explain things, you know, when it came to just the work, because think about it, you had probably at any given time, anywhere from 30 you know, to what, 40 residents in one classroom. Mm-hmm. And they were all at different levels. Yes. Yeah. And you really, really did make every single person feel like they were the only one oh, in the well, classroom. Thank you. Thank You're you for welcome. That yeah. And that's how, that's how I actually feel about the work that I do at, at Trosa. Um, I actually started, and I don't know if you know this, I started as a tutor back in um, 2009. I had heard that uh, Trosa which I was aware of. I remember Trosa first starting up and seeing the, the moving vans in the <laughs> yes. neighborhoods. And so then uh, after a number of years went by, I heard even more about Trosa that um, they were always looking for volunteers. Mm-hmm. And one of the types of ways to volunteer was to tutor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I teach, I love tutoring, I love helping people learn. Um, I'm a math instructor. Um, I mean, I love tutoring anybody, running, you know, high school students, college students, but there was something about, I would love to help the men and women at Trosa to earn their, their GED. It's awesome. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I signed up, went through the background, background check. So how did you hear about it? Was it like a, an uh, ad or? I mean... No, no, no. Jim uh, works, my husband, right. Jim, um, works with the, the high school kids at our church. Okay. And so they were doing a whole year of um, learning about uh, justice in society. Mm-hmm. So they got in touch with Trosa and said, can we actually bring our kids here to learn about Trosa and then to also help out. Wow. And so Jim came home and said to me, you know, they need tutors at, at Trosa. And so I did that for a few years, um, tutored in the, the GED class. Mm-hmm. And then um, the um, instructor from Durham Tech, who was in charge of the GED class, left. Um, but he recommended me because I was there all the time, tutoring. Sure. So I was hired by Durham Tech and then started to actually be in charge of the GED class. And then shortly after that is when you came in. 
I love what I do. First of all, I just love helping people in general. I love teaching. But I really love to work with the residents. And even when I was, was tutoring, before I was actually in charge, I thought I want them to know that people care about them mm-hmm. and that it, it matters, that, that they matter. Absolutely. And so I thought also, I want to start going to the graduations. And that is so, that's another to thing. To show yes. them, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. That everything that you do is important to me and I want to be here supporting you. Mm-hmm. I remember my first graduation when I saw you sitting there and I said, you have got to be kidding me. She is so committed. She does not have to be here, you know, and her and her husband, you are, I mean, you have not missed one graduation from the time I started at Trosa, and that was six years ago. I was a resident and now staff. I've seen you at every single graduation, Marianne, and that is just amazing, and also some of the residents when they graduate, I love hearing, I want to thank Marianne for me getting my GED, because it's a yeah. I mean, getting your GED, getting your high school diploma, you can move forward oh my gosh. in life. And I don't even know if if all the residents in the class recognize that. I sense that, and I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm really correct, but I, I just don't know if they recognize the amazing door that it opens. Absolutely. That they can either, they have a better chance of getting a job, mm-hmm. first of all, and then a better job. They can get some certificate. Um, that require a high school diploma. Sure. They can go on to college. Sure. They can even get an associate's degree. They can go as far as they want. Mm-hmm. It just will totally, absolutely change their lives. And in addition, the feeling of accomplishment. That's exactly what you just took the words out of my mouth. Just that self-confidence that I remember feeling. I remember I took the last test and it was math. Really, that was the one that I struggled with yes. the most. X, Y, Z, it's, it can be Chinese sometimes. I'm not really sure who called me, but I do, do know that someone called and said, Kim, you passed. And it was, I mean, talk about the best natural high in the entire mm-hmm. world. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was just beautiful. And uh, the first person I thought of was like, you, was just thank you. Because there's absolutely no way that I would have been able to do that without you. I mean, I've, I've been in some situations where, you know, you're getting taught and it's like, just get it. Just what, what don't you get about it? It's like, oh, I'm sorry. My brain's just not working that way. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't get it. I don't know what else to say. You just, you always just took so much of your time, you know? And yeah, like, and I know a lot of the other residents talk very highly of you and still do. Oh, thank you. When you started tutoring, were there any challenges? I mean, did you feel like, you know, going and leaving a tutoring session and saying, you know what, I really wish this? Just in general. Um, like, what, like what kind of challenges? Um, just for yourself. You know, coming in and like if maybe some residents weren't, you know, committed or if you saw, you know, residents leaving the program. Yeah, it, it wasn't um, challenging as far as I felt like I was in over my head or I couldn't do this. Right. Um, because I knew the population that I was now um, interacting with, mm-hmm. even though the population was was new to me, if that right. makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Like, like there was one resident who was talking one time and said, um, yeah, you know, when I was in prison, and I remember thinking to myself, wow, he was in prison? He's such a nice guy. Like, right. interacting with anyone who had been in prison was new. And then I came to 
understand pretty much everybody has been <laughs> and it wasn't that didn't bother me it was just something new in my life and probably gave you a different perception because you know think about it the stigma and the stereotype of drug addicts alcoholics prison mm-hmm. all of those things mm-hmm. you know you have a picture in your mind of what that's supposed to look like you know and I think that um, just how cool is that saying to yourself wait a minute this isn't this yeah, isn't what I, I thought prison was yeah. he's a human being and he's got I, manners and he's talking yeah, nicely and like what's up with that I know and it makes me sound like I'm so naive but I but I was as far as interacting with anyone who had been in prison sure and so even and after that and even to this day even though I know you know where I'm teaching right at, here at Trosa I forget Mm-hmm. in a way, like the backgrounds of right. who I'm dealing with. Sure. They are my students. You know, when we have a graduation day, um, well, it's not graduate, well, family day. It's right. a day where, you know, all the families come. You yeah. can bring, you know, up to four family members. And the residents just look so just excited, just so excited about yeah. it. And I remember the one thing when I was a resident in the program, my sister came and visited me and she said, Kim, I'm not sure who is staff and who were the residents. Mm-hmm. Because everybody was dressed nice. The yeah. men were in the suits and ties. I mean, sometimes, you know, their family never saw their son in a suit and tie. It's yes. like, whoa, who's yes. that? You know? Yeah. So it's just, it's very neat to see that perspective. Yeah. That uh, just because you come from a, you know, a background of drugs and alcohol doesn't mean that you're the scum no. of the earth. You are a regular um, person just like me, yes. just like everybody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. They're just things that you have been exposed to or that you have dealt with or that you have a tendency to deal with, but you are a normal, regular, good person. came on internship here I knew I wanted to be staff the first 30 days of me being a resident I just I don't know there was something about being able to help someone get through what you had been through personally as well it's that feeling of just hopelessness you feel like you know uh, you do feel that stigma like people are staring at you Mm -hmm. Um, you know you're first coming in you can't really make eye contact with people you just feel like life's kind of defeated you And to be able to move from that part of your life and to be able to come over the other side and be able to be confident and just say, wow, this is who I am now. And actually, it was funny because I went to try to get my GED. The math is what, you know, kind of stuck me a little bit. And, I, you know, I tried, you know, to study and, you know, one thing led to another, some bad choices, and I wound up relapsing again. And I just remember saying to myself, Kim, like, what is it going to take? I think what I love about this organization as a whole is it really does give the person an opportunity for rehabilitation. That that's the key, I think, because there are so many programs out there and you know, each program is for each person. Right. But particularly this one, it really does start from the beginning and by the time they graduate, I mean they really have been rehabilitated. You know, they have their own apartment, getting a yes. job, ha- getting their GED, right? You right. know, taking certain classes, being able to take a class at Durham Tech. Know, so yeah. it's just it's so much different than the normal um, detox or normal rehab center. Just the behavior modification part. 
I didn't even realize I was manipulating people out there. It was almost like a subconscious thing. I didn't even realize I was doing it. Just became natural. It became a natural yeah. thing to survive. And which of course I'm not proud of, definitely forgiven myself for that. And I've moved forward in my life on that. But at the time when I came into here, it's you're called out on those things, yeah. you know, in a loving way. It's like, wait a minute, we understand that, hey, you might have a, a problem with stealing. We get it. But this is what we're going to do for you. If you get caught stealing, you don't have to leave here. There's some accountability, but we're going to we're going to allow you to work those things out yeah. until you're better and help you to know how to deal, deal with it. Yes. why you do those things. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know any other program no, so either. far yeah. that does that. So here it just gives you that opportunity to make those mistakes give you the accountability, gives you the tough love, mm-hmm. and then says, "Okay, we still believe in you." And that's that's pretty powerful. It is. It is. That's yeah. really powerful yeah. when you when you really look at the big picture of that. Yeah, it, it's literally life changing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just the fact that like every staff member in this nonprofit, regardless if they've been through addiction or not, are all in. For instance, look at you. You're a perfect example. I mean, you're all in, Marianne. And I know that just getting a GED and getting a high school diploma is going to be bring that person that much more to getting their goals and what they're wanting in life. Right. Sometimes, not all the time, I wish, I wish that residents, when they, they um, pass their last test, would come back to class. Oh, yeah. Um, and I always tell them, please come back so I can congratulate you in person. <laughs> um, but one of the residents did come back. He, he finished his math test, he passed, and he came back on uh, last Thursday night to say Aww. thank you. That is, how did that and feel? It was just like, you know, I got to give him a hug and tell him I was so <laughs> proud of him. And yeah. um, he was just beaming, yeah. absolutely beaming. Mm-hmm. And I said, have you told your mom yet? Because we were joking about in class um, about calculators. He had been through enough math in high school that he actually had a graphing calculator. Oh, wow. Which are very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I asked him if he had told his mom yet. He said, no, when class is over and we go back um, to uh, T West, he's going to let his mom know. Oh, that's so, so great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's got to be a good feeling. It's mm-hmm. a really good feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe because I am a mom, I think of the parents also. Sure. Not just, not only the, the residents, but mm-hmm. also the, the parents. Mm-hmm. So just a quick question. So before Trosa, right, you didn't have a lot of experience with like addiction. I, I guess the only experience that I had was that there were certain like semi-distant family members, like a great uncle and um, a few others that did have a problem with alcoholism. Okay. So I, I would hear about that, but no no direct sure. um, experience. So ha- the perception that you had now and, you know, what's changed, I guess? You know, what did you think about addiction? I didn't really... I guess I, I didn't really know any more than that I had heard um, my uncle would keep getting drunk, my great uncle, and then his sister would keep taking him in, and then he'd go, because she loved him, and mm-hmm. I don't know that that was the best thing to do, I don't know in that case, because he wasn't going through any kind of a program, and so I knew that, I mean, obviously it was was a problem, but I didn't, I didn't really understand the depths of how it affects someone, mm. and how it, how it affects um the whole family. Mm-hmm. I think that that especially is something that I learned when I started um, here at Trosa. That it's not just the, the person; it's it's 
all of the family members. Mm-hmm. And I never thought also about the things that happen, like the what um, the residents will share either sometimes in class with me or, you know, a lot of times at graduation, you know, that they've, they've stolen and their, mm-hmm. their, their mom, you know, stopped trusting them and now they feel so good because their, their mom, their parents, their family members can trust them again. Sure. You know, I've mm-hmm. never, I've never thought about, about all the, like the tentacles of, how much it influences. Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of, I think that's like kind of one of the going themes is just an opinion of mine, but I think it's one of the, 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 you know, themes of just that guilt and shame of making those decisions, knowing that you are hurting others yeah. and you can't stop. Yeah. I wanted to stay on so much too. And I am so grateful for this opportunity that, you know, Trosa gave me in being staff that I can actually have a career in recovery through helping residents go through what I've went through Mm -hmm. and getting that guilt and shame out. I mean, that's really kind of what holds you back. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of residents and even through my own experience of saying, Kim, I don't know if I'll be able to forgive myself. I don't know if I'll be able to, you know, um, have that relationship back with my parents, you know, and obviously you can't give them a promise. Oh, sure. You're going to be able to, you know, you can't do that. But you can definitely empower and give them encouragement and hope that, uh, you know, if they continue along this path, good things are in store. Right. And that's, you know, that's a really, it just gives a lot of purpose. And even like the vocational part too, you know, between lawn care, moving, the thrift store, catering, the kitchen, Mm -hmm. office work. I mean, there's so many things that legitly you can learn. So just the fact, I know that there's... uh, Many residents who have left here who work for other moving companies outside of here, lawn care companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that is just, I mean, that get, makes me feel good when someone graduates. They get a job in moving, you know, they have their high school diploma, you know, their parents have gone to their graduation, are yes. just standing up, I clapping know. for them, I like know. just so excited for yeah. them. It's all worth it. Yes. It's yes. all worth yes. it. And you you're, and you're so. You're so you're such a good listener, and you can impact lives in a way that, um, like I couldn't, you know, if, if I became a staff person because I have not lived through that myself. Mm-hmm. And I know that the staff are made up of, of previous residents and non-residents. Correct. And I think mm-hmm. you all work together as a whole unit. Absolutely. Because everybody, you all have um, different different gifts to offer. Probably meaningful part, I think, is just being able on a daily basis to give hope because that's really what it is about is giving hope and uh, life practical skills. It's easy to talk a lot of talk, but then there's no action behind it. Right. And because life will happen. Absolutely. You have yes. to be able to to know how to act, that things get better as, as long as you... You don't go back to your old habits, yeah. And you have to experience that within this this um, the safety bubble of of Trosa, which yeah. I think is something Absolutely. that's really good that the workout phase yes. offers. Yes, you start earning a little money. Mm-hmm. You 
you get a job, mm-hmm. you have a little bit more freedom. Absolutely. And you're slowly get you back out there. Slowly get back in. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and that's another beautiful thing is, you know, you graduate, you know, you have this money that you've made now out in the, in the community. And, you know, uh, they really, Trosa believes highly in getting you, like, rehabilitation. And, and I remember when I heard, first heard this, I was like, what? I'm like, they do what? <laughs> like, that's crazy, you know? <laughs> And they're like, yeah, if you graduate, um, you get a box truck and you do, a, you know, two-bedroom um, home pretty much. You get a couch, love seat, dining room set, bedroom set, pots, pans, forks, whatever you need. And you fill it up and it's yours because we want you to get your place and we want you to be set up. And I said, wow. I guess maybe not everybody, but probably most of the residents have nothing to begin with. And then you're, you're set. Absolutely. Or... They have plenty of families who have been just giving and yes, giving yeah. and giving their whole down. life. Yeah. And you can say that, hey, I was independent. You know, I don't, when I call my mom or I call my family, it doesn't have to be about what I need. Yeah. It's just, hey, mom, yeah. how you doing? I hadn't thought about that aspect. You know, of it. Yeah. yeah, how you doing? I don't have to, it's not about, you know, everything one. I can remember early on in my 20s when my sister said, Kim, you would just make, it it just was all about you. It just was all about you. Every phone call, I need this, I need that. That's where I was. I mean, legitly, I was not capable of being able to be an independent person. And you leave Trosa, and you've been sober now for two years. You know, uh, the fact that you get this apartment, and that really is so important in sobriety. I'm telling you, in America in general, it's like it's almost so impossible to... As an addict or alcoholic or someone coming out of prison, they make it almost virtually impossible, in my opinion, to move forward. Now, it's the addict or the criminal's choice to go back to their old ways. By no means is that an excuse at all. However, it makes it a lot harder and those thoughts start to say, well, man... It may not be the greatest choice, but I sure made more money over here because now yeah. I've put in 15 applications and I've gotten right. denied Nothing. on every single yes. one. And I need money to survive. Yes. And, so, yeah. and if you don't have a strong support group to say to you, wait a minute, I know that's how you're feeling. And I know it's been frustrating. And I know that's probably where you want to go. Let's go over here. Something's yeah. going to come up. If you don't have that strong network, it's almost virtually impossible for someone to succeed, in my opinion. So one of the residents a number of years ago told me that um, he had a peer group and then they were supposed to be able to rely on each other always going forward. Is that that true? Yes. Okay. I mean, not that I thought that he was um, not telling me the truth, but he, he was... Um, at the point where he was just about to graduate, mm-hmm. and so I have wondered in the years since then, did he did he actually mean like forever? The peer group is 15, 12 to 15 of your peers that have been through from the very beginning of your program all the way through the very mm-hmm. end, and that really is significant, you know, uh, to share that camaraderie of, hey, we might come from different backgrounds, we might have different economic uh situations but the bottom line is is that we addiction has influenced us in our lives and our families' lives and that's the that's the camaraderie yeah. of just we yeah. can do this together. Because they say it doesn't, you know, 
uh, discriminate. You know, there's a lot of people that d- believe addiction still is a moral thing. You know, it's no, like you're a yeah. bad person. Yeah. This is what you've done wrong. You could stop if you wanted to. And the bottom line is, is with addiction, especially if it's a physical addiction, heroin, alcohol, I mean, you can literally die from withdrawals, you know, so there is a point where you cross that, you know, a lot of people say in the recovery culture, that invisible line, I hear a lot, you cross that invisible line where uh, at first you felt like you really were controlling it, you know, and then all of a sudden it's just, you, you just can't control it anymore. It takes over your mindset. And when it physically gets to the point where you have to have that alcohol to get up, it doesn't matter how much a person tells you you could stop if you wanted to. You just can't. That physical, you have to have it physically. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people coming in think that, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible person. How could I do these things? Now it's your responsibility once you've been educated about your disease, you know, because you get through that denial. For me, I really felt like I did not have a problem. I was, it was almost like such a delusion of denial. And I'm, I'm, you know? I wonder, and tell me if this is true, mm-hmm. that when you cross that invisible line, you, at first, you still think, I have this under control. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And until I believe for a lot of people, it's when I started losing things in my life that I actually started learning. As long as I had a job, as long as I had money, as long as I had my relationships with my family, it was very hard for me to change. But when I started losing those things, I started saying, "Uh uh-oh, maybe there is something here. to a time in my life when I was a child and I'm like I just wish I could go back to that just pure state I think recovery is a um, beautiful you know idea of you're really being reborn you're learning about yourself for the first time because drugs and alcohol basically denied that for such a long time was not allowing you to you know of course your choice you know but was not I allowed that um to not learn about who I was who because really I numbed are. it, exactly. numbed it, numbed yeah. it. So it's, yes. it can be exciting, and that's what I tell the residents here. I said, listen, even though this is scary, and I know you may not know who you are right now, but look at this as an opportunity. This could be an amazing adventure for the first time. You actually get to learn about who you are, what your likes are, yeah. what your goals are, what your passions are in life. And I really think that's the blessing in recovery. Can I ask you how... Like, how did your addiction start? What was it? Was it one thing that triggered it? Mm, I think it started in my behavior because I like to always go back to my behavior because I really do feel like when I came to this program and it was a behavior modification, it was like the light bulb went on and I said, holy moly, like, this is it. This is what it was. It's my behaviors, you know? My behaviors in early on in my life were very erratic. I can remember my mom saying... She goes, Kim, I knew you were going to be a handful because at like two or three, the first time I like said no and you legitly like understood what that meant. You cannot have that. She said you broke out in hives and I had to rush you to the emergency room. She said my tantrums were just almost scary. She just didn't understand why I was acting the way that I was acting. So I think early on in my behaviors, my emotions I never like kind of knew how to balance. They were like really kind of all over the place. Mm. 
And then when I was 14, I was diagnosed with ADHD. And the one thing I always heard, slow down, slow down, slow down, like all the time, (laughs) slow down, Kim. So I never really understood the whole ADHD. I think that was kind of just coming out too, because this was in the 80s and 90s, I guess. You know, I'm 39 now. So, um, and it just, I started off with um, smoking a joint one day. And I I remember saying, and I can still remember this. Who would not want to have this feeling mm. all the time? And I remember saying to myself, yes, this is what life is about. So I chased that feeling for a long time. You know, I would start like I could smoke weed whenever I could in the weekends, you know, as much as my parents wouldn't, you know, find out. But then it got to the point that I started drinking, you know, and I was like, gosh, this is fun. And, you know, it became about being fun and rebellious and just kind of screw the world kind of thing, you know? And I think that maybe my parents thought I would get out of that phase, uh, but I really do believe in genetics and I believe in environment. And, you know, they've done a lot of studies now. And, you know, the bottom line is my, you know, my mom was a recovering alcoholic. I never saw her touch any alcohol. My dad was a recovering alcoholic. I never saw him touch any alcohol. So they were sober my whole life, but there was a genetic there. There was still that predisposed kind of disposition there that maybe I'm at higher risk. And uh, that's exactly what started happening every weekend. And it just kind of flourished from there. I think that for me, it came down to, it has always come down with drugs and alcohol to numb my emotions and allow my brain to just shut down to where I'm not caring about what you think anymore. But the beautiful part of recovery is what recovery does is it it literally changes the brain completely. And this is my opinion, by no means my doctor. <laughs> but for me, my experience, it for my thoughts and my thinking, the fact that I can walk into a room now and just be so confident, I don't question myself anymore. If someone's thinking about me, then I can't do anything to control it. Like, there's nothing I can do. such a healthy way to think. Oh, gosh, yes. I I think especially when you had been struggling with an addiction, but it's healthy for anybody. Mm -hmm. And the fact that this organization helps people like me be able to come from that kind of state to where I'm at today, it's a miracle. I wouldn't trade anything for the world now. Everything that I've gone through, is it all happened for a reason. It's what brought me here. And uh, I really wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, so. you're you're glowing, and you you love life, and you are you are helping so many other men and women. So well, thank you, yeah. and as of you too. Thank you for listening to the nonprofit experience. If you like what you hear, please support our work. Rate us on iTunes, share us with a friend, and donate to the project at go.ncsu.edu/give-to-pj. TNE is a project of the Philanthropy Journal. Our managing editor is Sandy Sear. Our graduate editor is Kristen Gullahue. And our graduate assistant editor is Preston Whitworth. This episode was produced by Amarachi and Akaronye. Amarachi is the host and executive producer of the Fragmented Whole podcast. To learn more, visit amarachia.com. That's A-M-A-R-A-C-H-I-A.com. Our theme music is an original score by David Mueller. For more information on this and other episodes, visit us at www.philanthropyjournal.org. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Nonprofit Experience and subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play.